everybody, and welcome to Audio Judo. I'm Matthew. And I'm Kyle. How's everybody doing today? Hope you're doing good. Kyle, are you feeling better than the first take? I am feeling better than the first take. That's good. It's a lot quieter in here now. So it is. That's good. No no waterfalls or anything. That no. We, uh, we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Uh, Pantheon is devoted to providing the best in music podcasts all in one place. Recently, they added a number of new podcasts, uh, like one that I dig quite a bit called the Synth History Podcast. Oh, I saw that, and I haven't started listening to it yet. Really cool stuff on that one, uh, providing a, a deeper dive into the oft-forgotten instrument of the rock scene. Uh, head on over to PantheonPodcasts.com to check that one out and a ton more. Sweet. Uh, this is the episode that typically serves as our end-of-year episode, and it won't be any different uh, this time. So, 2020 sucked. Yeah, it was kind of a shit year. It is the strangest, most unpredictable year in my lifetime. Uh, it feels like it has lasted five years at times, and then at times it feels like it just kind of zipped by. There were times when Mondays felt like Wednesdays, Sundays felt like Thursdays. We could go out, and then we couldn't. Yeah. And then we could, and then we couldn't. Uh, we got used to wearing things on our face and sanitizing our hands literally all the time. However, it didn't suck so much for us, this humble little podcast. Uh, we joined the aforementioned Pantheon Podcast Network, uh, which has sent our show worldwide. Yes, indeed. Uh, we interviewed some amazing guests, mm. heroes of mine, and did a whole crap load of shows. Yes, we did. Uh, so we are excited about 2021. Yes, we are. And we hope... Uh Weirdly, I, I wanted to bring this up really quick. Yeah. Apparently, we've been uh, jumping up the charts in Canada. That's true. Uh, we are now the 29th most popular music podcast in Canada. Hey, so, uh, so how you doing up there? Welcome. Hey. Welcome, uh, neighbors to the north. I hope you're enjoying listening to us. Uh, and even if you hate listening to us, that's fine, too. The other <laughs> the other one that I did not, never expected, never in a million years would have expected, India. Yeah. Hello, Indian listeners. Apparently, uh, uh, I my assumption is that we were added to some kind of a podcast aggregate in India. It must have happened, and people started to listen to us. So, if you are listening in the uh, in the subcontinent, uh, welcome. Yeah, uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, and if you uh, want to get in touch with us, please do. Ravi Shankar has been on my list of uh, musicians to talk about, and I know he's basically the most famous musician to come out of India. I have him on a, 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 a judo chop list. Oh yeah, that would be a good one too. Yeah. That might be the way to go because it's hard to pick just one album. He's got like because it would be it would be really hard has to like two hundred albums, doesn't yeah. he? It would be really hard because he has a ton of albums, and it would be hard to review one album because they're usually they're more like a symphony. Yeah, there 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 are like movements and things. So yeah, it's a good idea. We'll probably do a judo chop on Ravi Shankar yeah. in the future. And and sorry to jump immediately to the most stereotypical musician from your entire subcontinent, but uh, world famous and amazing. Absolutely. So can't go wrong with that. So well, welcome. Yeah. Welcome indeed to everyone. India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, all that area yeah. has been getting huge numbers. So we're excited about it. Um, last year, we did the same episode and it was uh, it was difficult because we came to the conclusion that there just wasn't a lot of good music released in 2019. Yeah. Uh, not so true in 2020. True. So at least there's that. We had a ton to choose from. And like last year, Kyle and I chose our top five each. Uh, haven't talked about it in advance. No, we have not. Brought some clips of our choices for you to listen to and yes, make your own judgments. Then you can write into us and tell us we have no idea what we're talking about. 
and tell us what we should be listening to instead. So, that being said, let's get started. Kyle, you're first. I am first. No particular order, correct? I did sort of uh, rank these a little bit. All right. So, here's the deal. Uh, There is one album that I picked this year that when I found it in... I found it in like late August, early September. And I'll get to this. I'm going to save this one for last. I have not stopped listening to this album since. I probably listen to it once a week. It is definitely my favorite album of 2020, and you'll know why when we get there. Oh, will I? However, the other four, I would say, probably rank basically the same on on my scale of uh, 1 to 27 uh, uh, to good. Ah, yes. Yes, the old... uh... The one to twenty-seven to good rating. Uh, anyways, so my first album of twenty twenty. Yes, a little bit poppy. Okay, but uh, I cannot. This is another one that has been in my rotation almost all year. Is it Bieber? It is not Bieber. Oh. Uh, but it is the weekend oh. after hours. Uh, very poppy. Very uh, 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 a good album. I actually really enjoy it. Uh, wow, you're so current. I know. You have uh, so trendy. I cannot Every time I write his name, his his stage name. Do you want to add that extra E in there? I want to add that E in. I want to put it in there. I can't. And my phone tags it as like, this is spelled wrong. And word tags it as, this is spelled wrong. It's and not I'm like, weekend. It's weakened. Weakened. I'm like, and see, that makes it. He's been weakened. Oh. oh. <sighs> yeah. So, uh, but After Hours, powerhouse of an album for 2020. Yeah. Absolute powerhouse. If you're out there, you have absolutely heard Blinding Lights. I don't think anybody in the world has not heard that at least once. Surprisingly, not my favorite song from this album. Hmm. I have listened to it a lot, but uh, not my favorite. Uh, I'm sorry. Not my favorite song from this album. <laughs> I said not my favorite album from this album. It's not my favorite song from this album. We're just, we'll just say it's the Lagunitas talking. The, it's no it big is, deal. It is definitely some uh, uh, Lagunitas. <laughs> Talking. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, but anyways, yeah. The first sample from this uh, album, in case you have not heard it, is not that song. This track is called uh, After Hours. I know it's all my fault Made you put down your car I know I made you fall I said you were wrong for me I lied to you, I lied to you, I lied to you Can't hide the truth, I stayed with her in spite of you You did some things that you regret, still right for you Cause this house is not a home Yeah, uh, producer Randy just said that that's got a lot of wet reverb in it. Yeah, it does. And that is the one thing that uh, is disappointing to me about 2020. Just across the board, and I should bring it up right now. Yeah. A lot of the albums that came out in 2020, I feel like were not 
engineered well. Uh, Three of the top five in my, well, maybe four even in the top five that I have tonight. Yeah. I don't feel were engineered very well. Oh, interesting. Including this album. It's very, it feels very compressed to me. It feels very, um, do you know what the loudness wars are? Mm Mm-hmm. Feels like it was. It's a throwback to when the loudness wars were a thing. All the clipping and, if, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And if out there, if you don't know what the loudness wars are, you can look it up. There's a ton of articles about it. I think that the one negative to this album is that it suffers from that single track mega hit thing. Blinding Lights was such a huge track that so many people are getting just that track, or they're getting the album and listening to it once, and then going back to that track over and over and over again. That's the trap of pop music, exactly. specifically. Yeah, but it's um, uh, you guys just heard uh, that sample from After Hours, and it's this very haunting, sort of ethereal song. And mm. weirdly enough, almost all the albums I picked this year are haunting and ethereal. <laughs> as stupid as that sounds, you must they have been are. in a mood or something. Uh, it's like, that. like I was in a mood for the whole fucking year. Yep. Here's the thing about this album, though. That's uh, so weird, though. What? It's very interesting because I would say eighty-five percent of what i picked mm-hmm. is upbeat and faster tempoed and more energetic oh. and i usually gravitate more towards more melancholy more morose sounds so i'm gonna say weird two and a half of the albums that i picked out of the five are sort of ethereal and that's 50 percent. that's 50 percent. that's exactly 50 percent. uh are very melancholy and, and sort of ethereal and 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 hmm. Emotional, I guess, is a good way to put it. Is it it a 2020 condition? I think it might be a 2020 condition, yeah. Interesting. But uh, just to explain how much of a juggernaut this album is, after the album's uh, first week of availability, all 14 songs charted on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. What? All 14 songs were on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. At the same time? Yep, with 10 of them in the top 40. Uh, Led, of course, by Blinding Lights as number one. And in your eyes, uh, debuting the highest at number sixteen. Uh, well, nothing I have remotely comes close <laughs> to that. In March 2020, um, After Hours broke the record uh, for the most global pre-ads in Apple Music history, with over 1.02 million uh, users adding it to their list to be downloaded once it became available. So in its first charting week, uh, The weekend became the first artist to lead the Billboard 200, the Billboard Hot 100, the Billboard Artist 100, Hot 100 Songwriters, and Hot 100 Producers charts simultaneously. I had no idea that yeah. it was... This I, is, must this be is, out of touch with pop music. But This is an absolute monster of an album. See, and I've heard parts of it. I just can't... It's yeah. It's a... Uh, and again, it's inaccessible to me. And maybe again, and it's because of this year that I don't know that I want to listen to something that's that yeah. slow. It's a very weird album because it goes from being slow to fast to slow to fast to slow to fast. So one of my other favorite tracks from this is uh, this this one. It's called uh, In Your Eyes. Here's a little uh, sample of it. When I look at you in your eyes, I see there's something burning.
felt like I was at a headphones party. When I was, <laughs> when I was in Jamaica, we had the, mm-hmm. one of the headphone party like on the beach where everybody, there's three different DJs. Yeah. And you can control what DJ you're listening to on your headphones. So, you know, some are playing more current, some are playing reggae, some are playing like old school hip hop and stuff. And you just kind of, everyone's dancing by themselves, just kind of jamming out and listening to whatever. And you can see the color on the side of their headphone. Mm-hmm. And you, so you know what DJ you're listening to. So you're like, someone's really getting down. You're like, he's got green. I got to know what he's, and it's fresh prancing. And everyone's like, Woo-hoo. nice. Right. That's what that feels like. So just and then some sad DJ looks out and he's like, "I am orange." He looks out in the crowd. Nobody's got one orange. Loser in the back with orange, like, "Yeah, <laughs> raise the roof." <laughs> it's a good time though. Shut it, you loser. So that's a yeah. So that's a little bit more upbeat song. This out, al- this whole album, and producer Randy just pointed it out. Very eighties influenced. Very synth heavy. Very, I hear it. There's a lot of that sort of eighties uh, uh, like snare drum sound. It is very, very heavily 80s influenced. The electronic pad snare drum. Yeah. Randy just said, is it influenced by uh, Stranger Things? And it may be. Um, I I obviously don't know. Uh, But it is, uh, if you like that kind of sound, you're going to like this album. And I think that pretty much everybody has probably for sure heard parts of it. I've heard parts of it, yes. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I want to talk about real quick about this album, uh, it may have been snubbed by the Grammys. This huge album got no Grammy nominations. But wait a second. See, we've been down this road before. Grammys are bullshit. Oh, all right. Well, and he's going to be just fine. Yeah, that's a, that's it's, unfortunate because uh, one of my albums is like triple Grammy award winner. That's fine. Uh, Double but I, Grammy. But award I also winner think season. they're awarded to like. There's a Bob Dylan record, what, 19 years ago that was a piece of shit. But because it was like his like comeback album, everyone's like, well, just heap Grammys on them. We got to heap some Grammys on there. All right. Like, well, and anyways, it, I felt like it had to be mentioned because it's probably going to come up shortly. You heard me. Bob Dylan album, piece of shit. I said it. There we go. So uh, <laughs> that is my first choice for album of uh, 2020 regardless of him getting 200 million dollars for selling his entire catalog uh, to universal music group whatever yeah. i i'm not gonna get any money for they're me. just gonna put it in a vault and then it's gonna catch on fire and it's gonna get lost forever <laughs> again yeah <laughs> oops do we uh, have backups of that no no we didn't make backups well that's smart huh no, so that was your first choice okay. that's my first choice and i feel like i went on for a long time but you didn't but, you know no, it's fine that's okay. Go ahead, Matthew. All right. So for my first choice, I went with the album Earth by EOB. Ooh. Um, EOB is short for Ed O'Brien. Uh, and he was, is uh, one of the guitarists for the legendary rock band and 2019 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee Radiohead. Uh, this is his first solo record, and it is a doozy. Ooh. So it was released back in April, and I fell in love with it right away. I've been listening to it pretty regularly. Um Ed has been writing songs since the OK Computer days, so 1996-ish, but never felt like they were something that he wanted to bring to the band. Um, His confidence was kind of overwhelmed by the monsters of songwriting in the band, namely Tom York and Colin Greenwood, or Johnny Greenwood. Colin Greenwood is the bass player. And that kind of makes sense when you have all this experimental stuff going on. It's a lot of pressure to have, like trying to compete with Kid A and OK Computer and these monster albums uh, that everyone listened to back then. Um, so he had worked on some of these songs off and on for years. And in 2012, he moved to Brazil with his family and the songs started to take on a whole different flavor. Uh, he was inspired by 
the spirit and being in Brazil, the open-heartedness, the rhythms, the colors. Uh, and then he had this eureka moment while at Carnival and the album started to take shape. Uh, he thought about taking the songs to Radiohead, um, but felt like they had this really unique energy for solo stuff and would get lost as a hybrid product, like everyone having a voice in the room. Uh, here's a little bit of Olympic. Just like ramp right up right there into an NXS. So great. Song. So it has this really awesome world beat flavor, and I love it. Yeah. So, one of the best things about this record, other than the occasional synthesizer part and a couple of drum tracks and a bass track here and there, he played all the instruments on it. Oh, cool. So, everything. The Omar Hakim played drums on uh, one track, a just legendary drummer, and, one, and the bass player from Radiohead played on one. Um, and he thought about having. Tom York come and sing on this record for him, but it, it would have essentially made it a Radiohead record. Yeah. If he had done that. And his voice is really good for for this music. Um it has these tropical dance flavors, a little bossa nova, some punk in there. It's like there's so many different things going on. It covers pretty much everything. Uh I, go ahead. I definitely think he made the right decision. I just found this album a couple of weeks ago actually. Really? And, and listened to it a couple of times and it's it's very good. I think that now knowing this, I hadn't researched it or anything. Yeah. Um now knowing that, I think he made the right decision to not take it to Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to make it as a as something else because it it definitely would have changed had this been a Radiohead album. Oh, it would have sounded completely different. Oh yeah. You would have had these weird guitar lines and yeah. Tom York sounding like he's in pain. Ew. Yeah, it's like, come on, dude. So the next uh, next part I have is from a song called uh, Brazil, and it uh, sounds like this.
So this song is like uh, Brazil is it's about nine minutes long and has these three distinct sections. Has this great arpeggio guitar section breaks down a little. Has this dance section. Uh, like I mentioned, it took years for this record to really come to fruition, but it was worth the wait. I hope we see more of stuff from him while Radiohead's kind of on sabbatical or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Rolling Stone also named this one of the top 50 records of the year. Uh, so there's that. And it peaked at number 13 on the UK charts. So it's actually actually did okay. Yeah. But it's really one of my favorite listens of the year. Not my favorite. I don't know that I have one this year. You were saying that earlier. That but you're it's, not sure you can pick a 2020 favorite. Can't, I can't because the, the five that I talk about, I listen to equally and I listen to them quite a bit. So I don't know that I have one that I'm like, I have to go back to that one. So Cool. But that's, uh, that's my first, Earth by EOB. Kyle, go ahead. Uh, next one on my list, another sort of uh, poppy album, uh, Neon Trees, uh, I Can Feel You Forgetting About Me. Neon Trees? Yeah. Mm. Weird choice, I know. For some reason, this album stuck in my gullet. I don't know what it is about it. It, it just popped in there and just stuck. I really enjoyed their debut album. They have a surprisingly amount, they have a weird track record because every one of their previous albums has like one mega hit on it. Mm-hmm. Again, this one, not normally some, the type of music that's in my wheelhouse, but uh, I, I enjoyed the whole album. If you're not familiar with Neon Trees, uh, for sure you've heard some of their songs before. Uh, Animal uh, from 2010's Habits, which was their debut album. It's a great record. It's a great record. Uh, Everybody Talks from 2012's uh, Picture Show. I know that song, that record, not as good. Yeah. Uh, Sleeping With a Friend. Again, a great song. Album, uh, let's see, that one was a pop psychology. Meh, not that great of an album. Mm. The song that you're probably familiar with from this newest album, uh, I can I can feel you're forgetting about me, is uh, Used to Like, which uh, sounds a little bit like this. Oh, honey, felt really good until I started dancing, and now I feel drunk again. See, what, what just happened that. is the exact reason why we need like video cameras in here. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was entertaining all by itself. Right. If uh, you saw that. Producer Randy started dancing, and then Matthew and I started dancing, thumb dancing. There's like, a lot of dancing going on. <laughs> White guy dancing. I'm pretty sure my wife knows that song. Right? Because she it listens is- to the radio. It is a very heavily radio played song. Right, terrestrial radio. Yeah. What the hell's that? Right. Um, has a lot of heavy radio play. Super upbeat song. I, I, it I, is. How do you I, not feel good about yourself? Just listen to that. Bit. Right. And again, my my biggest problem with this album is the engineering. It just the whole album just sounds oh, like it flat. is this compressed flat bullshit. Yeah. There's no dynamics to it whatsoever. Other than that, I like a lot of the tracks on this album. I, I had no idea Neon Trees are kind of a local band for us. Are they? They're from Vegas? Bit. They're not from Vegas. Reno? They are from Provo, Utah, what? <laughs> which I know is a little ways away, but local for it's me. It's regional. It's regional. But uh, 
They're actually uh, the two two main uh, members, the two founding members. Mr. Neon and Mr. Trees? Yes, that is correct. Uh, are from uh, California, and then they moved to Provo. Uh, and, Voluntarily? Uh, apparently. I don't know who would, but uh, they did. <laughs> Sorry, Utah. We love you. We do. Moved there, uh, started a band. And obviously, you know, Utah is just one uh, it's one small city with like 200 people. So obviously I know them. Uh, their personal Don't you, friends you know everybody in Utah, I know everybody right? from Utah. They're personal friends of mine. <laughs> so uh, they were discovered sort of uh, by the killers. Uh, Ronnie Venucci Jr., who's the, the killer's drummer. Uh, obviously the killer's local Las Vegas band who made it huge. He had been in a ska band called uh, Attaboy Skip. Attaboy uh, Skip. Neon Tree's bassist, uh, Brandon Campbell, prior to joining the killer's. Uh, and Ronnie uh, was so impressed seeing them in a club here locally in Vegas um, that he picked Neon Trees to open for the Killers for a string of dates in their 2008 North America tour. Mm. And then they sort of blew up from there. Yep. They got a record deal uh, and they made the aforementioned records. And like I said, I feel like every one of them has had a hit on it. Habits is a great record. Still. Habits is a really good record. And we may have to come back to that one in the future. I think and, we will and, uh, talk about it. But uh, this one, not quite as strong as Habits, I would say, but it does have a few uh, good tracks on it. One of the other ones, one of the ones that, for some reason, again, got in my brain and stuck there is uh, uh, this one. It's called Skeleton Boy. Not normally what I would I would gravitate towards, but uh, this is really throwing me for a loop. Today. I'm glad it. I think it's it's 2020, man. All this weird poppy shit got stuck in my head. I I have a theory though. I was thinking about this on the way over here tonight. I think it's because in 2020 we gravitated towards two ends of a spectrum. So I was listening to stuff that was comfort music for me. That was a lot of stuff that I'd heard before, that I'd listened to before, mm. old stuff, stuff mm. that you know I love. But then I was like, God, you know, I'm so sick of listening to this same stuff over and over again. What's something completely out of my wheelhouse that I could listen to? Hey, I heard this on the radio the other day. Let me look up the rest of the album. Boom. Listen to that album. And then it gets stuck in your head. And then you start to like it. And then you start to listen to it. That's a theory. Anyways. That's a fair theory. Theory. Who knows uh, how good it is or not. But anyways, uh, Neon Trees, I can feel you're forgetting about me. Pretty good album. Go give it a listen. So my second choice is by the Airborne Toxic Event. Uh, And it's called Hollywood Park. Uh, So I had heard of this band a bunch of times over the last several years, uh, but never really got into them for one reason or another. That all changed on this record. Um, The band was originally formed in 2006 as the brainchild of singer and guitarist Michael Gillette. He was initially a freelance writer and essayist and just picked up an acoustic guitar 
and started writing songs basically because his life had hit a crossroads. As we all can at right? any time, You obviously. just pick it up, pick it up and start writing. So he was going through a breakup. He had just found out his mom had cancer, and he himself had just been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and vitiligo all at the same time. Ooh. So no better way to then to uh, channel it through song. Uh, they had some success at the beginning uh, with a song called Sometime Around Midnight, uh, which they promoted the shit out of playing it on Conan uh, and a crap ton of other places. They made the rounds back then. Huh. Got to number four on the Billboard rock chart. After that, they had a bunch of middling success, like most of the rock bands out there, and it just wasn't going anywhere. Uh, but this album was much different. It's a deeply personal record about the relationship that he had with his father. His father died in 2015, and Gillette took the next four years off to grieve and figure his shit out, basically. And he started to write songs about it as he recovered and put this story together. And you have to hear his crazy ridiculous true story. So Michael and his brother were living in an experimental commune in California that would eventually morph into the Church of Synanon, one of the most infamous and dangerous cults ever during the 1970s. Huh. Uh, he was taken from his parents for five years and raised communally and subject to child abuse, mind control, all kinds of whacked out shit. So he eventually escaped with his mom and brother to Oregon where he would live in poverty with his clinically depressed mother, his hateful, spite-filled brother, and a series of abusive stepfathers. And he just longed to be with his dad, even though his dad was a recovering heroin addict and an ex-con. Hmm. This journey takes him from there, out of poverty, to Stanford University, and a real life. And it starts with Hollywood Park, and Hollywood Park sounds like this. Such a great record. It, wow. And it tells the story, basically, when he actually got time to spend with his dad, his dad would take him to the track. So he has all these all these memories kind of wound around spending time at Hollywood Park, which is a giant horse track in, huh. in L.A. It's such a great, great story. And he's wearing that whole life on his sleeve. And it's really painfully obvious. It's visceral, it's smart, and really good. So... This record was released as a companion piece to his memoir, 
of the same name released in May of this year. This was named as one of the most anticipated books of 2020 by none other than O Magazine. Oh. Miss Oprah Winfrey took great interest in it. Did she give her book club stamp of approval? She did. They had this to say about it. Music and his fierce brilliance boost Gillette. A visceral urge to leave his background behind propels him to excel, but he's always cognizant of his outlaw genes, embodied by Jimmy, who stokes his creative fires. A man can be all these things at once, in one lifetime. A prisoner, a drunk, a pirate, a fool filled with regret sitting alone in a dark cell, a pair of strong shoulders bouncing in the surf. In the end, Gillette shakes off the past to become the captain of his own soul. Hollywood Park is a triumph. And that's the book. Wow. Think of how great the record is. So it's just a really raw, great record. And I just love those stories and those those totally weaving narratives. I think it's really, really special. I have not heard anything of this except that little sample you just played. Yeah. And I immediately thought punk rock Bruce Springsteen. Mm. That's what it sounded like. That voice? Yeah. Yeah, gravelly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give it a listen. I got to go listen to this now. This sounds cool. It's very good. So that's uh, my second one, Hollywood Park by the Airborne Toxic Event. Cool. My third one, my third album of this year is uh, Tame Impala, The the Slow Rush. I had listened to that a few times and I just couldn't get into it. I like Tame Impala. So uh, if you've never, if you're not familiar with Tame Impala, uh, it's a psychedelic music project uh, created by Australian multi-instrumentalist Kevin Parker. In the studio, Parker writes, records, performs, and produces all of the project's music. And then they go on tour, and he takes with him uh, Parker on guitar and vocals, uh, Dominic Simper on guitar and synthesizer, Jay Watson on synthesizer, vocals and guitar, Cam Avery on bass guitar and vocals, and Julian Barbagallo on drums and vocals. Um, project, they've been going since about 2007. Uh, I like a lot of their older work. It's very... Um, experimental a lot of times it's very out there uh but i think that this album unintentionally became a great album to explain 2020 Hmm. uh so here's a a little quick sample this is a, a borderline Anticipated record before it yes. came out. It had a lot of um, buzz. Yes, and they played a lot of these tracks leading up into it. Yeah, I remember seeing it weekly on like uh, iTunes pre-orders and stuff like yeah. that. I'm and like, they, why, they, why, they why are they pushing this so much? And it's it's got this overarching theme of love and time. 
Hmm. And and because of that, it's it's how both like sort of ebb and flow around us all the time. And I, that's why I think it's a perfect 2020 album hmm. because it's it's about you know we were forced together with certain people in 2020. We were split apart from other people in 2020. Time this year has felt like it's absolutely moving at a different pace. Like sometimes it's absolutely glacial and sometimes you'll realize months have gone by in the blink of an eye. Uh, it, so is it accidental? Cause it, cause this album came out at the beginning of the year. Yes, that is correct. Uh, I believe it came out. They were releasing tracks from this through the end of 2019. Right. And it was released February 14th, 2020. Okay. Valentine's day. Oh, how sweet. Right. So it's incidental. Yes. So, I, I think it was incidental, but I think that, how do I describe this? I don't know. I'm one of those weird believers in um, certain people perceive what's going on in society and can tell what's happening as a whole. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. So they can say, oh, as a whole, we're headed in this direction. And I feel like Kevin Parker might be one of those people who can say, oh, as a society, we are headed in this direction. And if I do this, it's going to be very relevant when it mm. happens. I believe I have one of those people further on oh, on our list as well good. that's very prescient that's very able to uh yeah anticipate trends yeah anticipate emotions how how people are going to react to certain things yeah i i i, I don't want to say that i didn't like this record when i listened to it mm -hmm. it just it wasn't it's not for everybody it wasn't as intriguing as I had been led to believe it was going to be. Yeah. And I think that I think I had set myself up for like, oh my gosh, people will not stop talking about this. This is probably going to be one of the greatest records of my life. And the, it would just it didn't get there. Yeah. So it was like, eh. The experimentalness of this album is not necessarily for everybody. And the the sound, a lot of people find it very grating and 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 not pleasant. I really enjoy it. I think that the only way you can find out is if you go listen to it for yourself. Yeah. I really. encourage everybody uh, to do that. Yeah. Um, they did, uh, they performed, like you were saying earlier, they performed on Saturday Night Live as well as part of the hype up for this. Yeah. Uh, they did, uh, Patience and Borderline, the song you just heard. One of the other tracks on this that I really love is, uh, this one, it's called Lost in Yesterday. I did like it. Yeah. And again, I, this is one of those albums I cannot. It's very difficult to describe. Go listen to it and and, and pick out for yourself. It did, however, um, I, I was surprised to learn uh, the 2020 ARIA Awards. That is the Australian Recording Industry Association. It won five trophies. Album of the Year, Best Group, Best Rock Album, Engineer of the Year, and Producer of the Year. For is he Australian? Rush. He's, he is Australian. Well, yes. that makes more sense. Right. But uh, yeah, that's uh, the uh, Tame Impala, the Slow Rush. I, I, uh, 
Like I said, this is one of those albums. Very well engineered. Love the way this one sounds compared to some of the others of uh, 2020. But uh, please go check it out and uh, let us know what you think of it. But uh, there you go, Matthew. Probably because it was uh, mixed in 2019. Also a possibility, yeah. So uh, my third choice is uh, Weltschmerz by Fish. Ooh, yeah. Uh, That's Fish, F-I-S-H, not Fish, P-H-I-S-H. Fish is the former lead singer of the progressive rock band Marillion, with whom he had a great deal of success in the 1980s. Uh, He released four albums with them, reaching the UK top 10 a couple times before leaving in 1988 to pursue a solo career. Marillion has gone on to release 14 more studio albums since he left, but never achieving the level of success they enjoyed with Fish. Fish has released 11 studio albums of his own, also not reaching the same level of success. But what they have both are diehard fan bases that will pay money to see them, travel to see them, buy whatever box sets and merch they put out, and follow their every move. They, quote-unquote, we, are devoted. (laughs) Uh, In April of this year, we here at Audio Judo were lucky enough to interview Fish from his home in Scotland. Uh, We talked about the COVID crisis as it was just beginning and how it had already begun to impact the music industry and his life specifically. Uh, We also talked for a while about his impending album, what he kept referring to as, quote, his last studio album, and how proud of it he was. This was that record. Weltschmerz is in many ways a typical Fish release with a few longer tunes and his always beautiful and poignant lyrics and unique take on the world and relationships. Much like on his first solo record, Vigil in a Wilderness of Mirrors, the title track is a stab at the state of the world. It's fracturing fracturing and the hopelessness attached to it. Uh, Here's a little bit of that title track. Uh, and as good as that song is, there are better on this hmm. record. So while we spoke to him, he talked about a song he was extremely proud of called The Rose of Damascus. Uh, he referred to it as a, one of his mom's very favorite. Uh, and it is a gorgeous song for sure. It's clocking in at 17 minutes. It is a wow. sweeping musical piece that tells the story of a young girl in war-torn Syria still finding ways to chase her dreams. It's a beautiful song. But the real showpiece... Uh, The song that everybody is talking about in the progressive rock world, the song that sets this record apart from all of his other materials, a song called Garden of Remembrance. Uh, It is as heartfelt, emotive, and tough lyric as you will ever hear. It is a song about his father, who a few years ago had lost his battle with Alzheimer's, and his mother, who had to watch the love of her life slowly pass away. It is so powerful. And this song has already won song of the year from the Prague Report awards and the year oh, really? isn't even o- the year isn't even over yet right and here's a part of that song right here 
Where thoughts land like snowflakes In the palm of his hand Swift melting moments His tears a surprise He tries to remember Just what made him cry With the beautiful stranger Who is holding his hand He's lost between the here and now Somewhere that he can't be found She's still here A love, a ghost of memory She'll wait for an eternity He's still here The end It's an extremely powerful song. Uh, and the video adds a ton of weight to it. Uh, so he filmed the video basically just him in a in a white room completely just in a, on a solitary chair and apparently his mother was 10 feet away listening to this and uh he just breaks down in the middle of this video just bawling his eyes out and it just it's a, it's extremely powerful and knowing what a gifted lyricist he is and and being able to translate that emotion into song is just uh, it's a gift that a lot of people don't have um, when we spoke to Fish, uh, we asked why he keeps calling this his last studio album. And he said he feels like he's done all he can with music. He wants to do other things, write books, act, garden, right? Uh, well, I guess... Cook lamb. Yeah. I guess if you were planning to go out with a bang and save the best for last, then this is the way to do it. Classic Rock Magazine named this the second best album of the year, only topped by the most recent ACDC release. Wow. He's never been up at that level before. And I think it's a testament to how strong this material is. I, I've been a fan of Fish for over 35 years now, and it was such an honor to, uh, to talk to him earlier this year. For me, it is for sure one of the highlights of doing this show. I had to pinch myself to see if it was real because it was never something I an anticipated. And like I expected, he was loquacious and pleasant and just willing to sit and talk about anything at length. And yeah. it was an honor. Uh, if you'd like to check out that episode, go to audiojudo.com. Check out episode number 22. And Fish, if this is really goodbye, congratulations. You deserve all the great things they are saying about this record. It's a masterpiece. Belschmerz. Uh, that's all I have to say. I feel like kind of a jerk. I haven't listened to this yet. It's such a... I gotta go listen to it now. It's a double album, so it's long. But it's uh, it's, it's there's so many great songs on it. Waverly Steps. There's just so many fantastic tunes, and uh, he's a genius with the pen. Yeah. And his voice, you know, so recognizable to to anyone that listens to any sort of progressive music like that, you know it right away. And um, it's very special. And uh, again, we were honored to talk to him. Not to uh, totally derail this. Yeah, but uh, I was listening on the way home the other night to uh, an interview with Boy George and the rest of Culture Club, and they were talking about uh, ageism in music and how it's bullshit. How there's this whole thing in music where, you know, the music industry goes after young people because they can manipulate them and get more money out of them. Yeah, they're naive. Yeah, exactly. Where so many musicians 
produce better and better work because they have more and more experience and they know more and more what they're doing and what's going to work and what's going to sound good and what's going to to lyrically work well. And I think that it's like you just said, he's culminating this entire career into this album. And then he's like, and this is my swan song. This is yeah. where I want to finish it. And that's amazing to me that it can be done and that he's, especially with Fish, he's been able to do it independently too. Yes. He he produced this whole album himself, right? Yeah. Uh, with, I mean, obviously some outside help for engineering and things, but yeah. uh, he produced it himself. He was, when we were talking to him, he was, he had all the albums delivered to his house so he could sign a whole bunch of them before he mailed them out. Oh, it was crazy. And he had like a living room full of merch. Yeah. If you follow him on Facebook. Out. So, uh, so a secondary thing to that. Like after we talked to him, he started doing these kind of one-offs uh, on Facebook Live, just talking to his fans. And now nine months later, that's turned into a whole thing called Fish on Fridays, which <laughs> nice little Catholic reference there. Yeah. Fish on Fridays, and he does it every Friday at six o'clock. He talks for about an hour, and he lets people like pick three songs or five songs that they want him to talk about and explain what was behind them. And then he just sits at his computer and and talks to people and he's got t-shirts made and he's raised like a, a shit ton of money for some charities that he's involved in and stuff. And it's turned into this huge thing where he's the t-shirts say fish under a lemon tree. And like, there's all kinds of, <laughs> there's all kinds of different stuff, but he's finding ways to, to supplement the fact that he's not going on the road for the foreseeable future until, until all this kind of shakes out. But it, there's still hope that there, there'll be a tour and all that, but you know, he's making the most of it, and that, that's that, it's great. That absolutely has been one of the silver linings of 2020. Uh, you know, out of a out of the pile of shit year, this has been pull, pull the gold nugget. That is, so many artists because they're not on tour are so much more willing to do real interviews. Yeah, and they're talking to, you know, they're being more honest. They're being totally open because they're like. We don't have to promote anything right now. Let's be honest. They yeah, talk to us. Yeah. I mean, shit, if they're willing to talk to us. Yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, if you're an artist that wants to talk to us. Uh, hey, we're available. We're available. Uh, but I think that that's one of the silver linings of 2020 is so many artists have been able to open up and speak openly and freely and do interviews with people that they wouldn't normally do interviews with and have the time to sit down and talk and, and explain their catalogs and explain the music and explain the lyrics and explain everything. And hopefully either that continues into the future or at the very least we can take the stuff that happened this year and treasure it in the future. Absolutely. Be able to say, look, all these famous artists from the, from the last 50 years have been able to sit down and do interviews and talk just in this year alone because they're at home alone and they don't want to go out so they can remote in and, and do an interview. Yep. I think that that's going to be one of the silver linings of twenty. There's got to be there's got to be something out there. Yeah. So I encourage everyone to go listen to it, and you know, listen to the rest of his catalog too. I'm sure you would appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Weltschmerz by Fish. Fun to say too. What you got there? Next one's a little bit of a cheat. Uh oh. It's two albums in one. Oh. But my. they were sort of released as a pair. Oh my god. So uh, this is a Corey Wong. Uh, the song, the albums are at Trail Songs Dawn and Trail Songs Dusk. You've probably never heard of Corey Wong, have you? Most people haven't. Corey Wong? Yes. No. Uh, he's a, a guitar player. Uh, I first heard of him from this sort of funk rock 
uh, I don't know how exactly to describe this band. It's called Wolfpeck uh, from Los Angeles. We will get to them at some future date, whether it's a judo chop or a full episode. Okay. I don't know yet, but uh, they're very fun and very upbeat. And I just discovered them maybe a year-ish ago, and their their music is very fun. I do like fun music. Yeah. But uh, Corey Wong plays guitar on a few of their albums. And this year, he has been incredibly productive. He has released a whole bunch of different albums. Uh, like I was saying, he played guitar with Volpeck since uh, 2016. He has this huge catalog of solo music as well. Volpeck, uh, that's He's released eight studio albums total, five just in this year. Five studio albums this year? Five studio albums. Now, they are not super long. Trail Songs Dawn and Trail Songs Dust total, I think, is an hour and like eight minutes or something like that. Mm. So they're not super long albums. Barely longer than an EP. Yes. Um, A lot of guitar work, obviously, because he's a guitar player. He's also played with bands like uh, Pena, uh, The Fearless Flyers, uh, Le Soul Dance Machine. I don't know if you've ever heard of any of them. Uh, uh, that's negative. He has this absolutely fantastic uh, guitar playing skill, though. He's he's very very good. Um, Trail songs dong. Ca- excuse me. Trail song dong. <laughs> F- was that Freudian? I kind of knew that was going to happen as soon as you said it was trail songs dong. Tra- <laughs> dawn. Dawn. I can't say it now. Trail songs dawn. Dong. And trail songs dusk. Not trail dong. Trail songs dong. Dong. <laughs> Trail Songs Dawn came out in August 2020. It was actually the second of the two released. Uh, it's exactly what it says that it is, though. It's morning music. It's, uh, there's seven tracks on this album, and all the music makes you want to wake up, see the oncoming day in this positive light rather than a negative light. Uh, my favorite tracks in here, Bluebird, uh, featuring Chris Thiel on the mandolin, is very good, and it's mirrored on the next album by a cover of Blackbird, Blackbird. which we'll get to. Uh, Trailhead. Uh, which is a, a really good, nice, upbeat song, and uh, this song, which is called Race the River. Like I would never think that I would pick a folks folk album or two folk albums. Yeah, it's got albums. some bluegrass stylings. It's got some in bluegrass it. stylings. Uh, it's 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 very like I said, it's upbeat, and it has it's one of those. Both of these albums have been there when I'm like this year, especially when I'm like God, I'm fucking depressed and I, I don't want to do anything. And it's like, yeah, let's put one of these on. Uh, Dawn, like I said, is more of an uh, like an upswing. To so get the you Wong gets you up and going, huh? The Wong gets me up and going. Yeah. Uh, Trail Songs Dusk actually came out first. Gets me the my Wong gets up early in the morning. Uh, Trail Songs Dusk actually came out first in July 2020. Okay, it's almost a bookend to Dawn, though. Even though it was released first. So would you say the dusk comes before the dawn? Yes. All Weirdly right. enough, that's strange. This this is all slow down music though. This is like winding down your day music while you enjoy like a nice drink by a fire. 
So I feel like all the tracks on this album are. Uh, First time I saw the Milky Way is a really good track. It's very slow and very peaceful. Trail End, another really, really slow, peaceful song. All of these remind me of uh, when we did our video game music episode. Yeah. Why can I not think of the name of that album? Uh, Outer Wilds. I was going to say, yeah. They remind me a lot of the music. That does have some flavor from that. Absolutely. Um, This album also has a cover of the Beatles' Blackbird on it. Mm -hmm. uh, That is maybe one of my favorite Beatles covers of all time. And it sounds like this. Singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings And learn to fly All your life You were only waiting For this moment to arise You were only waiting For this moment to arise You were only waiting For this moment to arise I like this. I like it a lot, too. It's a very, like I said, both of these albums are very upbeat. They were there in like kind of the darkest corners of 2020. This was like where I was just like, fuck, I'm never going to, we're not getting out of this. We're all going to die. <laughs> and then it's like, let's listen to something upbeat. Boom. This would pull me back out of it. I like it. It's a, it's a different sound mm-hmm. for... Uh... Yeah, that's a that's a nice version of Blackbird. I like yes, it. Yes, I, I liked it a lot. And the first time I heard it, I was not expecting it to be a cover of Blackbird. Mm-hmm. It just was called Blackbird. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I heard it. I was like, oh, that's, oh, that's Blackbird. That's very good. I should listen to that again. And I listened to it probably five times in a row because I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. This is this is different, but it's it's very good. It's very positive. Yeah. Like I said, for me, both of these albums, positivity. The two I, if for, I have yeah, not expressed that you enough. You bastard with your two-for-one deal. Two-for-one deal. Again, the reason why I threw them both together, hour and eight minutes, I think, is what they calculate out to be together. Here it is, Matthew, number four. So my next choice, probably equally as you don't know what it is, mm-hmm. as that one was for me. Uh, my next choice is an album called Versions of the Truth by The Pineapple Thief. I've heard of the Pineapple Thief before. Really? Never, uh... It's another English progressive rock band. Uh, this band is a it's a new discovery for me. Uh, just kind of thumbing through the new releases when I stumbled across it. But it's right in my wheelhouse. Very inventive band with amazing musicians. Uh, they have released 13 studio albums since they formed in 1999. So that's an impressive wow, output yeah, it is. in this day and age. One of their albums, uh, somewhere, uh, Someone Here Is Missing... Released in 2010, has artwork from legendary hypnosis artist Storm Thorgerson. Um, we talked to his partner way, way back, Aubrey Powell. The The band has carved a lovely little niche out of the progressive market for themselves. Uh, their sound 
usually referred to as bittersweet progressive sound. Uh, because unlike a lot of progressive bands, they actually talk quite a bit about relationships in their lyrics. And this album is no different. Uh, the first clip I'm going to play is from the, the first single called Demons. And it's the most straight ahead song on the record. And it plays like a normal rock song. Not a lot of progressive in it, which is probably why it was released as a single. It's definitely an accessible song. Check this out. Only supposed to be a short term thing. nice tight unit yeah with some really great songwriting add some really big thumpy drums and change the understated vocals to a lot of hyped up yelling and you have the makings of a big imagine dragons hit (laughs) which is probably why i wouldn't listen to it (laughs) i don't really care for imagine dragons that's fair So one of my favorite things that this band does, and maybe what originally drew me into their sound, was that they double track almost every vocal part. Not harmonies, just a high voice and a low voice singing the same thing. So it's not a harmony, they're just stacked on top of one another. It's unique, I think it's pretty cool. Um, The second clip is from a song called Break It All, and it's a little more flavor of the band when that then the first one sounded more like a mainstream song. You get the double track vocals and more of these progressive stylings, some innovative drum work and guitar drunk that I love so much. Listen to this. This is Break It All. Weirdly, I downloaded this album. Like, I added it to my iTunes really? uh, library. I don't think I've listened to it yet. You should listen to it. I apparently forgot about it because I just, I, the minute you said that, I was like, wait, didn't I just download one of their albums a few months ago? And then I went and looked, and sure enough, it's this one. So, you should listen to it. It's I, very I, good. I definitely go back and listen to it. So, the, the drummer in the band, Gavin Harrison, extremely accomplished, plays with uh, progressive giants like Porcupine Tree and King Crimson. King Crimson's currently touring with three, well, not now but they were before COVID with three drummers at once, <laughs> three drummers on stage. So he's one a, of them. A very ne- necessary uh, evil, but I suppose you would call it. Oh, they're all completely athletic, and it's it's a, it's a it's not Court of the Crimson King anymore. It's very strange. Hmm. But that's how Fripp wants it, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> he has won a crap ton of awards and constantly touring and recording. And when you listen to this record, you can tell they fashion a lot of their songs around his drumming which is awesome because that's 
fairly rare that they're going to write songs with an athletic drummer, so a real versatile drummer in mind. Yeah. And allow that kind of uh, that percussive style to breathe a little bit, which, you know, you just don't hear a lot of that anymore. You hear a lot of drum machine, fucking, fucking drum machine. You And I want to hear acoustic. <laughs> I want to hear a drummer. I want to hear a yeah. drummer playing. So uh, check that record out. Versions of the Truth by the Pineapple Thief. Huh. That's, so that's four for me. That's what do you four. Got? Yeah. All right. So this this next one, I saved the best for last. Oh, goody. And I know we were not supposed to really rank these, but- uh, You did. This one, this album popped onto my, 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 it popped into my consciousness and it made me discover a new artist who I now believe might be one of the most important, important artists working in America right now. Oh my, I'm very excited. I I had never heard of him before 2020. He is a completely new to me and his stage name is awesome. It is a fantastic Negrito. And the album is called uh, Have You Lost Your Mind Yet? And when I tell you the story of his life, uh, I hope that it blows your mind like it did me. This this album, and all his albums for that matter, is this amazing blend of blues, roots, jazz, soul, funk, R&B, rap, and it is all wrapped together in this weird package that you, when you hear that, you're like, this is not going to fucking work. And then you hear it, and it, it, it fucking works. It blows my mind. Like, I have listened to this album. I found this in maybe late August, early September. I have probably listened to this album at least once a week since then. Maybe more some weeks when I've been doing like a lot of work and things. Go find it. Go download it. It's called Have You Lost Your Mind Yet by Fantastic Negrito. And uh, this is, I wrote a whole page on this. I know we were supposed to keep this short. I ended up writing a whole page of notes on this. That's okay. So this is going to take a little while. Uh, this album came out August 14th of 2020. Uh, and like I said, once I found this album, I went back and listened to a lot of his old stuff, and it blows my mind, too. Uh, here's a quick sample. This is the opening track. Uh, it's called Chocolate Samurai. Have you lost your mind yet to get free tonight? Uh, to all of your friends to come over. And it is wonderful. The whole album is is similar to that, but also completely different. Obviously, fantastic Negrito stage name. And according to his bio on his website, he's lived three completely separate lives. So his first life, uh, he was born uh, Xavier Amin de Frepeles. Good Xavier. job on that. I just I just found his name. Right. De- it is de Frepeles. It is a incredibly weird D P H R E P. A-U-L-E-Z-Z. Defrepelez. Defrepelez. That name, I would never have known how to pronounce it. Thank you to an article that I will come back around to in a few minutes. Uh, born in Western Massachusetts, uh, of all weird places, he was the, eight, the eighth of 15 children. He was exactly dead center in 15 children. I've had classes 
If you were children, then this guy has brothers and sisters. Uh, his father was a deeply religious Somali Muslim who played mostly traditional African music, which, by the way, side note, I hate that fucking term, African music. And the reason why I hate that term is because that's like saying North American music or Asian music or South American music. Where the fuck is the music from? Is it Somali music? Is it South African music? Is it uh, uh, Central African Republican music? Is it's it, music. It's, it, you know, yeah. It's it, music. It's music. Where, but I want to know the specifics. I hate that term. It's generalized, and I think that it's a little bit racist. Anyways, moving on. When he was 12, uh, his family relocated from uh, from Massachusetts to Oakland, California. That's a hell of a move. That is a hell of a move. He literally, uh, in one coast day, to coast. went from this this absolutely, you know, Massachusetts is not exactly the most diverse place, to Oakland, California, which is the center of uh, 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 black culture on the, the West Coast, basically. Uh, according to his bio, it says that uh, he went from Arab chants to Funkadelic in one day. That's a hell uh, of a move. <laughs> living in the heart of one of the wildest, most infamous, most vibrant black communities in the nation. Shit was extra real in Oakland. <laughs> that was the whitest I've ever sounded. Shit was extra real. Shit was extra real was in extra Oakland. real in Oakland. So you're welcome for that. Uh, so by age 20... Inspired uh, largely by Prince's self-taught musical abilities, uh, Xavier taught himself to play several instruments and was recording music on his own. He also snuck into music classrooms at the University of Berkeley. Yeah, I got it all from his bio, so you know where it's coming from. Despite not being a student there. Yeah, despite not being a student, he was sneaking into classrooms to learn how to play and uh, music. Yes, good job, Mr. DeFrepelez. But he was also caught up in the violence of Oakland in the 1980s, and he began selling drugs as a teenager, telling an interview with The Guardian, uh, quote, We were all selling drugs, man. Uh, we all carried pistols. There was a crack epidemic. I was the kind of kid who would sell fake weed. Sometimes I would use tea. Uh, which I'm sure, you know, never got him in a lot of trouble. However, uh, this went on for several what, years. What, is this a bag of oregano? Yeah. No, man, no, that's a great, it's, it's Earl Grey. It's real high-end weed, man. It's Earl Grey weed. <laughs> this went on for several years, though, until an almost near-death encounter uh, with a masked gunman. And then after that, he packed up his bags and headed to L.A. with a demo cassette in his hand, which began his second life. He adopted the name, uh, the mononym Xavier, which was obviously his name, found himself uh, entrenched in this Hollywood lifestyle. And he says, quote, uh, clubs and bitches and bullshit politics that have nothing to do with great music. Uh, Negrito signed a big time uh, manager. And soon after that, in 1993, a million dollar deal at Interscope. And soon after that, uh, he suffered creative death. Uh, the record deal was a disaster. Uh, gangster rap was ruling the airwaves at the time. and He was in the wrong place and the wrong time. Uh, he came out of the deal with a failed album, and his confidence was completely gutted. Uh, he was infected by the constant emphasis on what would sell rather than what music he actually enjoyed playing. Good for him. He lost his complete sense of self, uh, and he lost his ability to make music, so he quit. He sold all of his shit and moved on. Until uh, his third life began, uh, which actually began with a near-death experience. He was in a horrible car crash in 1999. He was in a coma for four weeks. Uh, and when he came out of it, he had uh, his muscles had completely atrophied. He had damaged his hand so badly he couldn't play music anymore. Uh, and it took him years and years and years to get back through it. So uh, through after seven or eight years of uh, a rehab, he moved back to Oakland. But he was basically he thought he was done making music. So in 2007, he, he retired, he moved back to Oakland in 2008. 
Uh, and thankfully for the world, though, he returned to music in 2014 uh, with a completely new music style, which he describes as Black Roots music for everyone. 2014, uh, he released a self-titled album, Fantastic Negrito. It is great. 2015, he won NPR's Tiny Desk Contest, which if you're not familiar with, That's go look it up. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And it, they highlight some of the most amaz- amazing musicians yeah, they do. In, in the history of music. 2016, he released uh, uh, an album called The Last Days of Oakland. 2017, he won the Grammy Award for Best Contemporary Blues Album for The Last Days of Oakland, which I feel like that, wow. that he must category. Have beat, he must have beat a lot. I'd like to know who he beat. Yeah. Was that the was that a year that Joe Bonamassa didn't release a record? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it gets even better because uh, 2018, he released an album called Please Don't Be Dead. 2019 won the Grammy for Best Contemporary Blues Album for Please Don't Be Dead. Huh. 2020 released uh, Have You Lost Your Mind Yet? Late 2020, uh, Have You Lost Your Mind Yet? Uh, nominated for the 2021 Grammy for Best Contemporary Blues Album. <sighs> Not saying he's going to win, but uh, I feel like well, he has he's a got really a good shot at winning. Pretty good track record. Three years in a row. Or not, I guess not technically in a row. 2017, 2018, 2020. Three records won. in a row. No. Three records in a row. That's a good way to put it. If you had any doubts that he was a, a fairly talented musician, two, maybe three Grammys in just a few years. That's a pretty good track record. Oh, um, man. He's not, he's not joking around. No. You look back through the years, winners for that award, Eric Clapton, Buddy Guy, Keb Moe, yeah. Gary Clark Jr., Etta James, and then all of a sudden there's this guy, Fantastic Negrito. <laughs> You know, that I have no idea who he is. Yeah. Well, now I... Uh, you gotta go listen gotta to his go albums, listen to man. All this stuff. And so does everybody else out there. Please go listen to him. They Son are, of a bee. They are just amazing. And he is somebody, like I said, when you find a musician like this and you're like, how did this go under my radar for as long as... Right. How did I miss out on this? How did I miss out on this amazing music? Have you lost your mind yet, though? I did, just you, now. You did, just now. But this album, again, it, it tackles all kinds of topics in this really upbeat way. It, it talks about racism, xenophobia, inequality, bigotry, addiction, mental health, uh, and how people have been dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdowns. But it's this very bright, upbeat album. It keeps it very positive. Um, my favorite tracks on it, there's a track called Platypus Dipster. It's the very last track on here. It's, <laughs> it's very fun. I feel like he named it. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we used to name our songs like that when we were playing back in high school. Just, you know, Grasp Thy Young Tomato. And, you know. Shigamabu Blues is right, another one on here. Right, just ridiculous names. I'm So Happy I Could Cry. Because who's uh, going to stop me? Which features uh, Tank and the Bangas, and also... Uh, no way, Tank and the Bangas? Yeah, and uh, Teriona Tank Ball, which <laughs> I never heard of either of them, but they're very good on this. So, again, more artists to look up and listen to Tank in the Bang Ball? Uh, but this track, this is my favorite track from the whole album. Uh, this is called uh, These Are My Friends. And we're good. These are my friends. These are my friends. Sometimes it's hard to get along with everyone. Because the hardest thing in life to find is a good friend. That's my homie. That's my ace. That's my deepest dog. Place. That's my hitter. That's my bro. That's my 
Like I said, you will find something on this album that you like. It is it is so I like it already. Yeah, it is so good and it it gets stuck in your head and you you go back and keep listening to it over and over and over again like I did. Oh, damn uh, you, Kyle. Real quick, uh, go check out if you want more info about him. Uh the website is uh, fantasticnegrito.com obviously. And I culled a lot of information uh, about his history from there, as well as uh, there's a great article in The Guardian uh, called Fantastic Negrito, The Drug Dealing Hustler Who Became Bernie Sanders' Favorite Blues Man uh, by Pete uh, Papadies. That is a, a very good article about his whole history and what he's doing. This article is a couple of years old, but it's uh, I think 2018 is when it came out. But uh, it, it covers his whole life up to there. And it's it's got a lot of little fun details about his life. Again, I'm not joking when I say he might be one of the most important musicians working in America right now. And I don't know how he flew under my radar so long. I don't know how he flew under probably most of your radar so long. But he deserves a lot more recognition than he's getting. So please don't agree. listen to him. One left, Matthew. One left. Uh, it's all you. For before we get to uh, honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. So my final choice for the year is Existential Reckoning by Pussifer. So this band is the pet project or the, quote, creative subconscious of Maynard James Keenan, the lead singer and lyricist for the art metal band Tool. They have been around in one shape or another since 2008 with a revolving set of artists, including Tom Comerford from Rage Against the Machine, Nine Inch Nails, uh, and Mia Jovovich also performed with them. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Jovovich. So this album is their fourth full-length album and a lot of what you would expect from Pussifer, but don't go here expecting a Tool record. Uh, it is not remotely tool except for the voice of maynard and even that is tempered a little bit by the female voice of karina round whose wispy kind of ethereal vocals make it even more different it is more experimental techno than anything else and unless you listen to it is really hard to explain maynard described it this way it's simply a playground for the various voices in my head a space with no clear or discernible goals where my id, ego, and anima all come together to exchange cookie recipes. <laughs> wow. So this album, made during the COVID crisis, certainly exemplifies that in the title. And the lyrics are acerbic, very telling. And so many of the lyrics, whether intentionally or unintentionally, touches on the pandemic and just the state of the world or society. This is a clip from The Underwhelming. Travel. But far from me, contentious, glorious friction awakens the cognizant and mindful. Yeah. 
His voice is almost unrecognizable in this context. Yeah. But still there. So uh, the the sounds are just about as far away from Tool as you can get. When asked if this song was directly about the pandemic, Keenan had this to say. It seemed to be coincidental that it touched on the actual pandemic, but in general, that's kind of how we've treated things for a while. We're always late for the party, polarized in some way. The new world order of the internet has polarized us to the point where we don't look at what's in front of us. We don't really look up. We kind of look to what the people, you know, we don't like, don't like. And what the people that we like, like. And that's it. That's where we stop. We don't look any deeper into into issues. Right? And that's society in a nutshell, right? We're glued to our phones, our tech, looking to see what the other person is doing. It's the ultimate version of keeping up with the Joneses. You know? We're just like, well, if you like it, and because I like you, then I must like it. And if you don't like it because I don't like you and I don't like your opinions, then I don't like it. And there's no room for there's no room for compromise. There's no room for discussion. It's just like we all silo up and don't discuss things anymore. I feel like that's a very uh, succinct and profound way to put that. But uh, I'm interested to know what you actually think about it. <laughs> and that's what I'll base my judgments about it on. If you, I'll, I'll tell oh, you. Oh, wait, I learned nothing. No. Will you like it if I say it? Maybe. Do you like me? I do. Then you will like it. Okay. I'll if like you it. don't like me, then you won't like it. Oh, boy. That's really do how that works. Do you just have works. a button I can click on to show my like for this? Yes. Yes, I do. It's the middle of my and forehead it, right it here. It gave me serotonin when I did it, so <laughs> that's good. <laughs> just to give you another taste of the record when it grooves, here's a little bit of uh, postulus right here. different yeah it's not something i would have gravitated to unless his name was attached to it it's a very like techno feel yeah it informed me that i really enjoy some of this stuff and how good it really is so kudos to him and pussifer because i wouldn't have listened to it otherwise and they're making me listen to other things so this album no doubtedly on the backs of keenan's name debuted at number 65 in the billboard album chart and number seven on the alternative chart hmm. so it did significantly well, and it, it's got great reviews. And it's not something that I know a lot of people like, uh, especially if they're going into it expecting to hear another Tool record, because it completely is not, uh, I stress enough, it is not a Tool record. And you, you have to kind of grow into it. But it's, a, it's an excellent album. And uh, Existential Reckoning by hmm. Lucifer. So that's, uh, that's my... Five. So there it is. That's uh, that's ten albums right? that we feel uh, are, are, are 
some of the better ones from 2020. And some you, of the silver lining. Right? You have a couple of uh, honorable mentions? I do. I, I kind of split these into two categories. Okay. So some of these are um, albums that I think are very good from 2020, uh, but just not quite the top. Uh, so one of them is uh, Mount Joy, Rearrange Us. It's very good. It's very upbeat. Uh, another one of those albums that's a positive listen to pull you kind of out of the 2020 funk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gorillaz, uh, Song Machine, Season 1. It's a great record. Oh, so cool. They they did uh, collaborations with a ton of artists. There's a, a track with Beck on there that's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an Elton John track on there that's very good. Um, and the music videos for them are very cool. It's a good record. Yeah, yeah. very good. Uh, very cool idea. Uh, go check them out. I, I think all the music video ones are on YouTube. There might be a music video for every one. I honestly don't know. Grills have always been super innovative. Yes. Uh, but it's a it's a very cool project, and there's a lot of positive. Uh, oh God, there's a lot of good sounding music there. Gotcha. Uh, Kylie Minogue had an album that came out this year. I have to mention it because I'm gay. I'm sorry, it's a legal requirement. <laughs> you are required. Uh, I'm required by gay law to mention this album. Uh, <laughs> she started it like a few weeks before they went into lockdown, and then she had to finish it from home. And even knowing that. It is a great album. It has the album's called Disco, and it sounds like it it could have come out in like 1978. Wait a second, you're gay? Yeah. Oh, you didn't know? When did that happen? Uh, how deeply do you want me to get into this? <laughs> yeah, but uh, Kylie Minogue. Yeah, she is definitely somebody who I feel like, outside of certain dance club and and cultural references in the U.S. It has totally kind of been brushed aside as Aww. a pop musician because every few years she'll come out with an album and everybody's like, for like a week, they're like, Kylie Minogue, and then she's just gone again. I didn't know she was still making records. She's been making records for like 30 years. Oh, well, and I, I know she made every, some every, 30 years ago. Four years, about every three or four years, a new Kylie Minogue album comes out. And in the US, it's like, it was number 89 on the Billboard charts for two weeks. And then in like England and Europe, it's like, it was number one for six years. I remember. I remember she had a, like a big hit in the mid '90s. Yeah. Other than that, I don't remember. Much. She's been around for a long time and and still producing some some hits. But this album is very uh, if you like um, dance music, good album to listen to. All right. The other one is uh, Biffy Clyro, uh, Celebration of Endings. They are a Scottish band. I I still I'm kind of on the fence with this album. I like it a lot. But I don't know. Again, it didn't make my top five for a reason. It just—it's a fun album to. I don't know if I can say it's fun. It's an album to listen to, and I like it. But I don't know if I like it like it. Okay. There's a few other albums on here that I think weren't mentioned, more because they are continuations of some amazing careers, which they're good albums. They're worth a quick listen because they're go a huh? summation of 2020. Pearl Jam, uh, Gigaton came out this year. It's good. It's good. It's it's, it's good. I liked listening to it. Uh, not as good as some of their older stuff, but yeah. uh, still pretty good. Childish Gambino had an album came out three fifteen twenty. Weird. Uh, weird album. Uh, also very poignant because it came out on the day that uh, everybody in Vegas that worked in entertainment Lockdown, yeah. lost their jobs. So that's fun. Kansas released an album this year called uh, The Absence of Presence. Uh, I couldn't get into it, and I, I'm a huge Can- I'm a huge Kansas fan. We're gonna do yeah. We're gonna do Left Overture. Pretty soon. And there's there's a couple of tracks on here that are good, but again, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I felt like it was important to mention it. All because right. It's, it's That's fair. Continuation of a career. We'll be doing uh, October. Smashing Pumpkins, uh, CYR. 
I, again, new enough. I have not really deeply listened. To I listened to it. Don't like it. Don't like you. I don't like it from Matthew. Don't right. like it. You've got a couple though, too, right? I do. I have a couple of honorable mentions uh, because there were really a, a great deal of good records for this year. Uh, one is the album Thin Mind by the indie band Wolf Parade. Here's a short 30 seconds of that. Like science fiction. All I get from that, psychedelic furs. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of that there. I hear psych furs all the way through that, and I'm like, I love this. <laughs> I really do. And the only problem with it is it gets a little bit one note by the end of it. Mm-hmm. They just haven't matured enough, I think, as a band. So really strong tracks for the first three or four. And then after that, you're like, oh, this sounds like the last three or four. But psych furs. It's a... <laughs> But it's a really good record from a you know up and coming uh, Canadian band. Um, and then uh, number two is "The Kingdom" uh, by Bush. Yes, that Bush, the mm. band of Everything Zen and Glycerine, is back and actually making really good music again. Thirty seconds of that, right here. It's a really good record. And there's something about his voice. You know, there's a tremendous amount of gravity in his voice for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's a it's a good record. But again, just like uh just like the Wolf Parade's record, it kind of like winds itself down in the middle and you're like, nah, it doesn't quite get there. But the first five tracks are like extremely strong. Hmm. Uh so those are our top five each with a couple of honorable mentions. Yeah. Actually had a lot of fun with this list this year. Yeah, it was me a, too. It was a lot of work, yeah. though, because the list kept changing as the year went on, it, like lots of addition subtractions. Well, my big problem was I always do the same thing where I, well, not always, this is only the second time we've done it, but I did the same thing I did last year where I had some that I was like, okay, these are these are probably my albums of the year. And then I start researching. I'm like, wait, what else came out this year? Oh, that was real. Oh, that's really good. Oh, I gotta, I should listen to this. And then it's like the whole list changes at the last minute. And it's like, oh, God, now I gotta listen to all these albums as quickly as possible. Right. And then try to make an opinion about them because I like them so much. And then it's like, and write about them and talk about them. And then it's like, did I do the right thing? I don't know. (laughs) I'm never sure if I'm doing the right thing or not. That's how I felt about this. But uh, I am, for one, am interested to see what people have to say about their favorite albums of 2020. What did we miss? Well, we missed plenty, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we missed a ton. But uh, easiest way to get a hold of us, 
email info at audiojudo.com. Yep. Uh, we are, that comes to both Matthew and I. Yeah. Uh, so we both get to see whatever you write. So if you write horrible stuff about one of us, the other will see it. That's true. Uh, well, we are super excited to get this next year started. Yes. With episodes about Elton John, 21 Pilots, mm-hmm. Sting, Beck, Steely Dan, and so many more on the mm-hmm. way. Uh, as well as that, we will be uh, debuting our limited series podcast called oh, yeah. Audio Judo Does Jazz in a few months. So we're excited about that as well. We're uh, starting to prep that. So uh, get a hold of us, like you said, info at autojudo.com. If you want to hear more from us, check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash audio judo. Uh, what are the socials there? Uh, you know what I just found out the other day? Man? What's that? We've been lying to people for a long time. So our Facebook, still facebook.com forward slash audio judo. Our Twitter is at audio judo. Our Instagram it's at audio underscore judo. Oh, you lied to them. I have been lying to people for months now. You son of a bitch. That, my experience with Instagram the other day aged me 40 years. Oh, I saw that. I now have gray hair. I look like Christopher Lloyd on <laughs> from Back <sighs> to the Future. Just, I'm like, oh, my eyes are all wide, and I'm just constantly walking around like, hey, you can't make coffee. You can't make coffee without a creamer. (laughs) I feel like a crazy person because that Instagram made me feel like an old man. So thank you for that, Instagram. But uh, do get feel free to if you enjoy Instagram, uh, look us up on there. Yep. Matthew's going to be in charge of that from now on because he's already aged so much. Yeah, you can't tell my hair is already gray. Yeah, it's not a problem for him. (laughs) And bald and gray. Other than that, let's get 2021 going and put this past year behind us. Yes. So uh, we will talk to you in two weeks, everybody. Yeah, have a good new year. Yeah, bye-bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 